This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE Intellinews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE Intellinews. Last November, BNE ran a cover story, CE Booms. After two decades of investment and reform, these countries came into their own. However, the boom seems to have peaked. Countries are running into structural constraints, labor markets are drum tight, and wages are rising rapidly. The countries need to move to the next stage, which is adding value to their production. I talked to Elliot Auckland, the chief economist at International Investment Bank, and we take a tour of the region. So I'm here with Elliot Auckland, who's the um, Auckland, who's the chief economist at IIB. Um, Elliot, we were just chatting that in BNE we ran a cover story uh, a few months ago saying that CE was booming. All of the con- economies, particularly in Central Europe, were doing extremely well. But even in Eastern Europe, um, Russia has particularly outperformed expectations. However, that seems to be coming to an end. The EBRD just released um, this week a forecast saying growth is still strong, but it's starting to slow down. And we're seeing, you know, Czech Republic just announced um, poor industrial production uh, numbers. That In Central Europe, they're, they're running into labor pool shortages, wage increases. Um, and on top of that, we've got, of course, fraught political situation and high oil prices, which are impacting. And on top of all of that, we've also got a Fed tightening, which has led to a, a sell-off into, um, in the emerging markets in particular. So stepping back, IIB, um, your members cover a lot of this space, out to and including Vietnam, and out to and including Vietnam, Mongolia. But from your perspective, um, would you say that's true, that the, the growth in Europe has been strong, in, uh, particularly emerging Europe, but now it's starting to come off the boil? I completely agree with that. Uh, growth last year, I would say, was was faster than the potential of these economies. So Romania grew at 6.9%, Hungary by 45 Czech Republic by 4.4%. And for all of these cases, this is slightly faster, and very much so in Romania's case, than the actual long-run trend of the economy. So it's very natural to expect a, a comeback to their, to their natural growth rates. Also, it's going to be very, very difficult for year-on-year comparisons, um, but also, when you grow higher uh, or faster than your, your long-run growth rate, uh, typically it's a bust and boom cycle, and you, you're going to have a, a response. Either inflation is going to spike first, and then you're going to have the, the, the response from the central bank pushing up interest rates, which is what we're seeing right now in, in Czech Republic uh, or, or Romania. Or you see, typically, if, if, if you have a particularly loose, say, fiscal policy, you may see a widening of the current account where most of the um, sort of boost and stimulus is, is just going out uh, through, through uh, imports, leaving the country and, and therefore not really helping the, the GDP picture. Um, but what you've talked about in terms of constraints is, is absolutely true in terms of the labor market. Take um, Romania as an example. I mean, we've been selling it as the new Poland. Um, It's really come on by leaps and bounds from being a basket case corrupt country to to making extraordinary progress and growing extremely strongly. But the the growth seems to be slowing now. Uh, What what in particular is is slowing it? I think they they had a large jump up in growth in in related to uh, public sector wage increases. There were some very large double-digit increases over the past couple of years. Uh, and these effects will be slowly coming out of the system. 
That being said, they have pushed through some more uh, this year. But I think businesses have turned far more cautious recently uh, on the fact that everyone is aware that the economy grew faster than expected. Uh, the government is running a deficit, which is going to take money out of the capital markets or potential for, for the private sector, putting it into the public sector. Uh, and now you have higher interest rates uh, due to the higher inflation level. Inflation was 5% uh, in, in March, which is well above the central bank's target. There was a bit of currency pressure. Uh, and now the, the central bank have been hiking interest rates this year. And that generally sets a slightly negative uh, tone or a more cautious tone than what we've seen previously when you had a very... Uh, very loose monetary policy, and suddenly it's, it's beginning to move towards uh, towards tight, and this is causing a, a typical reaction where businesses are more are more cautious. Um, so you've got that on the one side. Secondly, as I already mentioned, you have this sort of uh, they grew very fast last year from a year-on-year basis. It's going to be very difficult to, to grow uh, even at, at a sort of six percent growth rate lower than last year, I'd say. Um, on top of that, because the, the volume has simply become so large. Because um, um, the, the Czech Republic is the other one that's tightening. I mean, this again is—it suggests that you know we, we've we've turned the corner and something else is happening. Yes, I mean, the if, Czech Republic actually has the lowest uh, unemployment rate in the EU, and it's continuing to go down. Um, and and this is pushing up inflation. Inflation there was two and a half percent last year, which is it's controlled. Uh, and the government there is running a fiscal surplus. Last year was zero point six percent of GDP. Uh, which shows, and with with this monetary policy also in tight, tightening mode with the increasing interest rates, shows that they are uh, sort of controlling the situation, trying to tamper inflation. There was a lot of uh, inflow related to the currency, uh, um, but yes, growth is coming off the, the unemployment rate. Shows that the economy has hit capacity constraints, um, but a, a big driver of going forward for the Czech Republic will be. Uh, growth or the return to growth in in, 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 in in core European markets, which make up about 40 to 60 percent of GDP when we're talking about, say, Czech Republic, Slovakia or, or, or Hungary, the exports to the European uh, production chain, uh, let's say the German economy. And that's going to be a very big driver for Czech Republic going forward. All these but, countries, though, yeah. I mean, Poland, too, has extraordinarily low unemployment, but uh, it's getting to the point where, you know, the, the, the labor shortages are starting to be a, a serious constraint on everybody's growth. And you know, Ukraine has been benefiting from this in so much as suddenly everybody's opened their doors to, to Ukrainian uh, temporary workers. And they're sending back, I think they sent back $3 billion in just the first quarter of this year, which was up 30% year on year. So for the Ukraine um, economy, that's good in so much as they badly need the cash. But at the same time, they're sending their economically active people to other countries, which again is good for the Central European countries who, who are using this labor pool, but it's not a long-term solution to their problems. I mean, isn't the answer for all of them, don't they need to change their model and go up the value chain? I'd agree with that. And that's actually, if you would say, look at what's happening in Romanian fiscal policy, one of the reasons why they believe uh, that increasing wages is, is, is the right way to go about it is you've seen a huge amount of Romanian talent leave, go to the West, and one of the main reasons is the wage you can get in Romania versus the wage you can get in the West and say Germany and UK is un uncomparable. And so by increasing wages at a double digit rate, you're making it more attractive for the talented labor to stay. Now, I don't think they're going to be so successful in bringing labor back into the countries and the labor that's already left will probably stay outside of say, Romania and Czech Republic, etc. But it may mean in the future that, um, that, that, that 
people don't take the decision to leave and, and, and this immigration uh, situation would improve. On the flip side, the demographic situation, just pure you know, births, the amount of people reaching maturity, uh, sorry, 18, 18 years old, or leaving uh, education versus the number of people going into uh, retirement is, is, is not very good across the whole region. And it's, it's worse than it is for you know, France, Germany, etc. Uh, and even it's far worse than it is in Russia. So Russia is actually in a good position as they've been focusing on uh, demographic policies for a very long time now. You have not seen such policies in, in Central and Eastern Europe. And, and now like, they will start to feel this and it's going to be a long term uh, drag on, on, on GDP. That being said, it's going to push up wages and that, that may help stimulate sort of retail demand and the, and the local economy to work rather than the traditional model where it's cheap, cheaper labor and, and purely on the export demand. I mean, you mentioned Russia uh, and, and that brings up another one of the big um, changes recently that oil prices um, have done. Uh, they've come up very fast in so much as the Russian budget is assuming, I think, $40. Um, the average for each of the months uh, over the beginning of this year has been over 60 and dollar topped, uh, sorry, oil topped $77 yesterday. Um, and the Russians just this morning uh, announced that they're going, the budget's going to be in surplus, I think, by 0.4% as opposed to 1.3% deficit they uh, were predicting. So the, the Russian economy is also doing a lot better. But um, the oil, I mean, it's a, it's a temporary phenomena, isn't it? And again, it's not really a solution to, to Russia's long-term problems. It's not a solution, but it, it significantly helps. Uh, and I think you don't, you don't need the oil price at 77, where it is today, for Russia to be successful. As long as the oil can sort of stay in it, I think, 50 to 60 range. And above that, it's going to be very positive for the economy. Uh, 40 was a very conservative number. Uh, I think Russia would clearly be a, a very slow-growing economy What if it's down at 40, the oil price. But even if oil was to correct heavily, and I, I think it, it may do from where it's come up to at the moment, given that some of these geopolitical tensions are perhaps not as, as, as bad as the market's looking at at the moment, but even if the oil, oil market corrects down to, say, $65, where it was at the beginning of the year, that's going to be a huge positive for, 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 for the Russian economy and bringing back confidence. It's, it's not only the direct effect, it's confidence. And we've seen this, actually, in Q1 data this year. Wage growth was very strong, uh, but spending was not. So you had real wage growth of double digits even, but retail sales were only growing at 2% pace. Yeah, Consumers are still saving going, too much. What's going on there? Because, I mean, people, I mean, in the boom years, uh, Russia's economy, economic boom was, was driven by consumption and, and real wages were up really strongly, 6 7% uh, in the last couple of months. And yet you don't see corresponding uptick in, uh, in retail sales. So they've been fairly, fairly modest, uh, albeit in positive and so the, the consumption driver seems to be failing to appear. And personally, I, I put that down to, again, sort of pessimism on, on the Russians' part, that they're still, to pessimism on the Russians' part, in so much as they're still not sure um, that this sort of recovery is going to last. And so they're holding back on spending and they're saving instead. But is that what's going on? I completely agree with that, yes. Uh, and the central bank is not, not helping. Yet while they're cutting interest rates, you have inflation rate at 2.4% at and you have a central bank rate at over 7 now, That's huge, real positive interest rates, which you don't really have in many other places around the world, which encourages saving, discourages taking out debt to, say, 
finance a mortgage or something. Um, so ultimately, I do expect uh, in the medium term Russians to get more optimistic, to start spending more of the, the income increases. And ultimately, as interest rates fall, to start taking out debt, start taking out more mortgages. And this could be the next step of, of, of growth going forward in, in the Russian economy, a consumer boom, going back to what it was in the sort of 2010 and 2012 period. What are the um, wider impacts of the higher oil prices? I mean, we're not back at $150 like we were before, but um, particularly I'm thinking of Turkey here in so much as Turkey's lira has been walloped. They're in a full currency crisis, um, and some people are saying the warning lights are flashing and that the country could go into into meltdown r right before the, the general elections that are going to happen next month. But um, do, you, do you think that's possible? So higher oil prices, Turkey are clearly going to be one of the, the losers as being a huge importer, and they are a current account deficit nation. And we have seen these emerging market current account deficit nations coming under pressure recently. Argentina and, and, and Turkey is the, the latest one. Um, I think a lot's going to be related to high uh, US dollar interest rates. And also to the end in general in Europe, say of quantitative easing, the era of easy money is over. And during the, the, the era of easy money, we saw money flooding out of Europe, flooding out of the US into more riskier mar markets, traditionally riskier markets, pushing down interest rates, but also spreads. And I think what you're seeing now is a correction uh, as this money, hot money leaves the emerging markets, going back to the, the more stable developed markets where you're now getting higher interest rates. And that's causing stress there. Uh, you, also have in, you also have in Turkey, I think, issues around the, the independence of the central bank, which when, when talking about inflation expectations, talking about uh, the currency does not help the situation. Uh, you need to have a strong central bank willing to fight on the currency. That being said, the market did react positive recently when uh, Erdogan met with his uh, economic team to discuss what to do with the, with the currency, but there haven't really been any results from that, more just uh, headlines. Uh, it is worrying. Um, do you think Turkey's uh, going to go it, into meltdown? Is it going to have a crisis or are they going to cope? No, I think they should cope. Uh, I think there's still a very strong growth story. And, and if the region itself is, is still growing well, then that, that should be enough just to support the, the Turkish economy uh, in itself. Um, I do think it will stabilize. I think it's just trying to find a new equilibrium point. I think there'll be a lot of this going on for, for many uh, countries right now around the world, and it'll be a case of going through them. And in some ways, this was the blessing, say, for Russia, and that Russia went through its its correction uh, now a couple of years ago, actually the same to say someone else in IRB Mongolia, which means that now when we're seeing this interest rate spike, it's, it's the other countries who are seeing the pressure who, who weren't facing the pressure a couple of years ago. Now they're having to say, realign their, their fiscal spending or, or realign their monetary policy into the new realities of, 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 of the interest rate dynamics. Well, in so, a country, say, like Russia, they've already done this. We're in a, in a period of, of correction, uh, a new direction, because, I mean, underlying all of this also, the, the, the Federal Reserve in the States is clearly starting to tighten, and there's been a big sell-off uh, in uh, emerging market securities, bonds, stocks, what have you, uh, in the last month, uh, as people seem to be taking this under their wing, but... Is this how is how is the Fed tightening cycle as it grows um, going to affect the whole region? Isn't it going to make it much more difficult for people to raise money and more importantly to refinance money? Because I mean, some people are, uh, are very badly exposed, are they not? Yes, uh, I, I would agree with that. I think there will be some some companies and corporates who are going to get caught up in this. Um, I think a lot of people have learned lessons though from two thousand and eight. 
and what we saw in 2008 was a big currency mismatches um, where corporates or even households were taking out loans in, in foreign currencies. You see that much less these days. Um, so the 2008 crisis, they, they, they used it as a good lesson. That being said, some economies are, are more geared towards say, currency changes than others. Um, but I, I do believe, though, that overall the story will be, be good. Uh, if Chinese growth holds up, and what we're seeing right now is actually Chinese, China's growing faster this year than they grew last year, then still the overall picture for a lot of these emerging markets might still be supportive if, if the trade picture is there. The issue would be is if high interest rates come at a time when uh, Chinese growth begins to fall off heavily, then, then you'd see some very difficult uh, situations for a lot of these emerging markets. But at the moment, I don't see that. I see Chinese growth holding up very well. The, 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 the first quarter was very strong, and April data has also come out very strong now. So. so all in all, stepping back, um, things have got a little bit more complicated, but on the whole, you're, you're still bullish about um, the emerging market story. There all of the challenges that they have to face. You know, they're, they're all manageable. And at the end of the day, the region is still growing strongly, is it not? Yes. Uh, I, I, I think it's, it's realistic to expect to grow a bit slower. Uh, in some regions, I think there has been a, a bit of an overshoot in, say, spreads between uh, AAA names, uh, top, top names around the world. There has been a bit of overshoot in the currencies. There has been a bit of an overshoot in, in leverage, and the market's going to correct in that self. But I, I don't think it's a, a leading to, say, a recession and such. There could be pockets of stress, like we're seeing right now in, in, in Argentina, although they've managed to respond quite quickly. Uh, however, the overall picture, I think, should at the moment hold up quite well because at the end of the day there is a lot of productivity growth going on and, and, and positive dynamics there. Fantastic. Elliot, thank you very much for taking the time to talk. It was fascinating. Thank you very much.